John chapter 1, uh, we're looking at verses 6 to 13, but I'm going to read verses 1 to 13. Let's hear the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The grass does indeed wither, and the flower fades, but God's word, it endures forever. It is as God, eternal and inerrant. Always understanding who Jesus is requires an understanding that he is both God and man. That he is very God of very God and very man of very man, to put it in those words. We often, in our inability to keep the two natures of that one person, Jesus Christ, before us, we Challenge, are challenged to conceive the one who is God that has become a man. And, and we are challenged, many within the world, to see that the man whom we call Jesus Christ is indeed the eternal Son of God. And, and what could be better for us at this time of year than to behold the greatest of all mysteries, that Jesus Christ is the eternally begotten Son of God who became man. Don't lose one for the other. The two have to be brought together. And what we are doing in this morning series in understanding Jesus as the eternal Son of God is we are understanding why the one who came to save us had to be God. And in the evening... We're understanding why the one who came to save us also had to be man. The two are both essential. To understand the Lord Jesus Christ uh, received many names when, when uh, uh, Scripture is talking about uh, his revelation and his coming. And one of the great names that, uh, that he was given in the old and affirmed in the new in Matthew's gospel is Emmanuel. And you all know what that Hebrew word means, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the import of John when he is beginning to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and uh, who he is. He begins with these mysterious words, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He presents to us Christ as the eternal Word who was before time and matter began, who was not only with God, enjoying that fellowship and unity of love, but he also was God. And affirming that truth of the, of the Trinity, that there are indeed within the Godhead three persons. And this eternal word became a man. And that's what we refer to as the incarnation. Jesus is God incarnate. That the one who stood before Israel in those 33 years of his life was no other than the eternal Son of God who took to himself our humanity. And John calls the eternal Son of God the Word as, as, with purpose as the one through whom the revelation of God comes and meets us. The one through whom all creation was accomplished. And the one in whom all life proceeded. It was through the Son of God. It was through the Word that life and light were given to man. In other words, even in that very beginning of Adam and Eve's experience in the garden before sin entered. That ability to know, to learn, to grow and experience communion with God could not happen without the word giving life and light to them. It again is what distinguishes man from all of the other creatures, something, sadly, which this world does not seem to want to accept. We joke in our house now because we, we heard that in science centers, we're no longer uh, to call animals like the monkeys, monkeys. They're to be called non-human primates. And, and yet, yeah, it's, it's foolishness to our ears, but, but that's the world denying that man was created in the image of God to experience this communion and fellowship. And that communion and fellowship with God came even in the beginning through the Son who gives life and light to man. And we know, and as John records for us in Somewhat mysterious language. We just have to understand what he's getting at when he says in verse 5 and further on in verses 10 and 11, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. We know Adam and Eve fell. Adam rebelled against God, disobeyed and ate the fruit of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because he wanted to be. He was not content bearing the image of God and enjoying what God gave him to enjoy. And the darkness of sin covered the whole of man's being, the whole of our being. And even though creation was in its fashion 
created for the purpose of declaring the glory and the majesty of her creator. That personal glory and that relation of man with God was lost. That light was lost. That's what sin has done to us as human beings. Here's the the good news. Here's the gospel. Here's that amazing account of God's own compassion and grace. He was not content with that light being lost. Why would God come and redeem that which lost his light? For no other reason than that he is God. And he created man to have that light within him. And so he sets out to redeem that which has fallen because he is God. And that is why the word, the son of God became flesh. He was purposed to mediate between fallen man and a holy God of heaven. And and that's what John is revealing to us in this first chapter. the, The glory, the wonder of that word that became flesh. And here John reveals for us another aspect of that divine being of God himself. And, and, and that attribute of the word that he is the light of the world. Do you see that there in both verse uh, 4 and as well verse 9? The word was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Jesus is the light of the world. We've heard that, haven't we? There's songs about it. What does it mean? Well, here in verses 6 to 9, we see, first of all, that John is telling us about that light coming into the world. And, and John, in all of his writings, both the gospel and the letters that we have further on, John often used uh, that contrast between light and darkness with a purpose. That contrast between light and darkness distinguishes God from sinful humanity. But it's also a phrase that to say that Jesus is the light of the world, or as we're going to see from 1 John chapter 1, God is light. That distinction between God who is light and darkness is one that is expressing that lack of communion and fellowship that we do not have. With God. God is light. John would exclaim in 1 John 1 verse 5. And and in exclaiming that. This message that we heard from Jesus. And declare to you. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. It's one of the great things we have to comprehend about ourselves. This is a statement of who God is, but it's also a statement of who we are not. We are not people of light. And that phrase, God is light, 
interestingly, John is the one who uses uh, these phrases. It's one of three all-inclusive statements made of God. God is spirit in John 4. God is love in 1 John 4. But here, God is light. That speaks to the purity, the truth, the communion and fellowship where God is known. Think about it in relation to creation. What is the very first thing that occurred when God created the heavens and the earth? And he began on that first day to to bring forth the glory of creation. We hear it in Genesis 1-3. God is what? God is light. And what's the first thing God commands? Let there be light. Let there be light. I know some who, in disputing uh, creation being the work of God's hands in the space of six days, uh, question whether or not there was some sort of framework happening within creation because they cannot fathom that light coming into creation without the sun giving light and the moon reflecting the sun's light upon all of the earth. Well, I say to them that you're missing the point of what it means to say, let there be light. What God was saying with that is, let the truth and the purity of my majesty now be seen among all of creation so that you may know I am God. It's the very thing we see that culminates the coming of the Lord Jesus when he returns and he brings forth the new heaven and the new earth and we abide with our God for all eternity. And what do we hear in Revelation 21? That there is no need for the sun and the moon anymore because the light and glory of God, the truth and the purity of our communion with him is enjoyed. We need nothing else. What do you think is there in the very beginning? Creation was to reflect the truth and the purity and the communion of God. And that light and that glory of God exploded upon the earth and it separated the darkness of space from from God and creation. Well, bring that into this statement. Jesus is the light coming into the world. We need it again. We need that work of God to come and to establish once more that truth. God is light. And his son comes into the world as that light to bring the revelation of the truth and the purity of God into a sinfully dark and wicked world. The thing about this light is it's not something you can comprehend on your own. Why? Because you are in darkness. Without God, without Christ shining within, we are in that darkness. And the light can come and we will hide from it. That's why a witness is there. And, and, And even in Presenting John, the cousin of Jesus, John the Apostle speaks of him as the one sent to bear witness to that light. John, some know him as John the Baptist, 
I prefer John the Baptizer, uh, but uh, those are mincing words to a degree. He's never called John the Baptist in that full sense of how it's used today. But one thing about him is this. He was the last Old Testament prophet. The last of those prophets that precluded the coming of Christ to say to the people of God, the light has come into the world. (laughs) A light that we can't discern on our own. Jesus could have walked amongst the Israelites of his day and none would have looked at him and said, oh, look, God has come and met us. (laughs) Because of the darkness. Because we are in It isn't a light you can discern on your own. The truth of God, the truth of Christ, the truth of God's salvation in Christ. You can't discern this in the spiritual darkness that you are in and in the spiritual darkness of this world that is in rebellion to God, against God. This light does not dawn from within our hearts. It is a light that can only come from the hand of God. Jesus is that light. And he's told here as the one who gives light uh, to, to all. I have to go back to the gospel and, and, and uh, read here. Verse 9. Jesus was the true light which gives light to every man who was coming into the world. It's only in Christ. This, this, is, this is why Jesus had to be God. Only God can reveal who he is. Only God is able to give light where darkness abides. And Jesus has come into the world with that purpose. To show the truth of God's purity, of God's justice, of God's holiness and majesty. To reveal to us who are in the blindness and darkness of sin and Satan, things that we have have lost. And in revealing the truth of God's purity and majesty, our sinfulness, our hell-bound nature is thus revealed. It is always one of those amazing things to see throughout the Old Testament and and even in the New. There's, There's only one person that uh, had an angelic appearance that the first words out of the angel's mouth was was not, do not be afraid. You know who that was? Mary. It's very interesting. Everyone else who had an angel appear to them, an angel who reflected the glory and the light being of God, if you will, fell down, trembled, said, I'm going to die. (laughs) Because that glory of God, as it intrudes upon sinful humanity in this sinful world, it reveals who we really are in our fallen state. It reveals why God's judgment and wrath is upon us. It reveals the lack of fellowship and communion we have with God. You ever notice that? As parents, 
And when your children have disobeyed you and they know they have disobeyed you and you, you come home and you're maybe not fully aware of their disobedience, it's the rare times when they don't come running to see you. They know in their heart. This is why we need Christ and this is why Christ had to be God to bring forth that light and that truth and that purity of God to those who had lost communion with him and, and with Christ. We need him in order for us to regain that fellowship and communion with God. And again, it is only something that God can give. Only God can give that light to our soul. And here comes Jesus with that purpose. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. That it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He takes us all the way back to creation. And that first day when God said, let there be light. He says here, it is that same God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I'm going to touch what that means a little bit more, but do you believe? Do you know why you believe? (laughs) And the reason is, Because God has chosen to shine his light in you. Only God can do that. And Jesus is that light. It's an important truth. But as John goes on there in in 1 John 1, I'm sorry, in John chapter 1, he goes on to say, here's the light that has come into the world. And you come to verses 10 and 11 and you see, Secondly, that that light is rejected. You would think, you would think it would be welcomed. How many of you like venturing out on the evening of a new moon when it is the darkest point of the month without a flashlight, without turning on an outdoor light? How many of you like creeping into the woods without some sort of light shining? It's one of those things, even when you hear a noise, Outside, and you don't have an outdoor light that shines in that place where the noise is heard. We go out and we're opening the door and we're looking, okay, where's my baseball bat? I'm not going out without some protection. It's dark. And you would think that this dark world would have welcomed the one who is the light of the world into, it, into our midst. Again, the contrast is here. God loved his creation. God loved his world. And through his son, he would show and demonstrate that love. But the tragedy unfolds is that the world does not love her creator. Despises her creator. And that purity and that truth and that revelation of God's love and desire to reestablish communion and fellowship with man was rejected on two fronts. It was rejected by the world. Even though all man, kind, every human being, even though they have the image and witness of God stamped on their souls, and even though they are able to look at creation and have and see that the knowledge of God is there 
His power, His wisdom, His majesty can be discerned from the created universe. You have to be not an atheist, but you have to be a God denier. And there's a difference. You have to deny God. When you look at the universe and when you look at this world and all that has been created within it and say, no, there was not an intelligent design at work here. There was not a greater, higher being that did this. It all happened by chance. They're not atheists. They are deniers. They're deniers of God. And we're told in John chapter 3 by the Lord himself, why do they deny their creator? Why do they hate God? It's because they love their darkness. And they will not come to the light. And you know why they won't come to the light? Because the light reveals just how evil and wicked their soul is. And that's the reality. That's the world that rejects her creator. Paul would write in Romans 1 how that world would suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. In other words, the truth of God is going to be moved further from my thoughts and from my embracement because I want my sin. Now that's the black and white of it. That's the reality. They're without excuse. And that, again, speaks to what sin is. You know, there's no such thing as small sins. There are sins that are more heinous in their nature and how they're committed. But sin is lawlessness. All sin is Lawlessness, From that small white lie to that taking of a, an object that isn't yours, but you think, oh, I'm going to take it because I need it more than the person who laid it down. To not worshiping God. Isn't it interesting how when we think about sin, our thoughts go immediately to the last six commandments and rarely do they park on the first four. Our greatest sin is not so much murder and theft and adultery. Our greatest sin is putting something else before God. And that's what sin has done. Sin has so damaged the soul of mankind that we do not comprehend God when he steps into creation as Jesus did. And in fact... We hate him. And that's what the world did. That's what the world still does today. But if it wasn't enough that the world did not know him, verse 11, he came to his own. And what does it say there? He came to his own and his own did not receive him. (laughs) We might sit here and think, oh, we're better than the world. (laughs) But Jesus came to Israel. Israel who was given all that special revelation, given all of those Old Testament sacraments, given the glorious feast days, the Day of Atonement, given the temple, given the law, given the law after God had redeemed them from Egypt. 
given them so much and kept coming to them, giving them all the prophets and saying, God wants fellowship with you. Repent and return to him. He will bless you abundantly. And now his very son steps into creation and comes to his own and says, I am here. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe and you will be saved. Because God has sent me into the world to bring you salvation, not to condemn you. What do we read of Israel in the New Testament? They rejected him too. This is the darkness of sin. And you go in John's gospel from this point forward. And what John shows us all the way up to chapter 12. He shows us that rejection. Time and again. Jesus could do amazing things. But Israel would never receive him. He healed a blind man. And that blind man even said to the, to the religious leaders. You know only God can give Sight to one who was born blind. How can you not see that light? The darkness of sin kept the heart of his own from believing him. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And and all of those religious leaders again looked at this and said, we need to kill Lazarus because people are believing in Jesus. Let's figure out a way that we can kill Jesus because if he's dead, he can't raise himself from the dead. Why, why did they have that thought? Because they did not believe he was God. The God who has life and life. You go on and on. Again, I, I say this all the time. That because it's marvelous to think that even the demons recognized Christ. They feared and trembled. They thought they were going to be cast into the hell pit before their time. They know their time in hell is coming and they're saying, don't throw us there yet, please. Yet Christ comes to his own in his own because of the darkness of sin. They could not see Jesus as God, their Savior. My friends, again, that's the reality of your heart, of my heart. When scripture says that the heart of man is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Here is its deceitfulness. Here is its desperate wickedness. Even as his own people. How many of you? I I challenge this not to shame you but to show you. Just even in our own daily lives as God's people. How many struggle to get up and come to church with a frame of mind that says I want to seek God. I want to experience his presence today. I want a taste of heaven in this weariness of life here on earth. How many of you, this is just what we do Sunday morning. And we can be here and, and, and conscious of what we're doing, but then leave without experiencing. God with us. We need the light. Don't reject the light. (laughs) Just as the light came into the world, he is that same one who is saying to you, come to me. 
I will give you light and truth. You want to seek God. You must seek God through me. Come to me. And I will bring you into the Father's presence. There's no other way. You need your sins cleansed from you. My friends, you don't get forgiveness of sin by somehow coming to grips with your own difficulties in life and saying, I had to learn to forgive myself. That has done nothing for your sins. It has done nothing for your waywardness. There's only one who can deal with your sins, who can wash you clean, who can bring forth that light in the darkness of your heart. It's Jesus. He alone is the light. And he tells us in verses 12 to 13 that even though the world has uh, rejected him and even though his own has rejected him, that amazingly does not thwart the purpose and plan of Christ coming into the world because there will be those who receive him. There will be those that uh, he, as the light, will welcome and receive as God's children and grant to them that right to be the children of God. And they are those who believe on his name. And you see God with purpose sent his son into the world to be this light. Because God would not be denied that communion with the penultimate of his creation. Man whom he created in his image. He will not be denied that communion and fellowship. And instead of dealing with us as our sins deserved, he deals with his son what our sins deserve. So that that light, as we're going to see next week, could bring grace and truth to bear upon our souls. And to those who believe in Christ, that is to those who understand that he is God, come to save them from their sins, who offered his life in your place to bear God's judgment against you, who died to take away the sting of death, who, who was buried in order to show that the grave no longer has a hold on those who believe in him, who rose again, To show God has accepted his sacrifice in your place for your sins. That to those who believe in his name. He will give that right to be called the children of God. He will bring forth that light in your life. Where you will have communion with God the Father again. What a joy. What an incredible work of restoration that the light of the world has come to do. And he does this in everyone who believes in him. And again, it brings us to those, that, that point. What is it that we have done to receive this light? Nothing except believing. Nothing except for coming to that place of knowledge and agreement and resting in the Lord Jesus Christ 
But in case you think that that's because you suddenly had some goodness in you, you suddenly had that little spark of light that suddenly exploded into a a fire pit within your heart to show that you came to God. What does he say about those who have become the children of God? In verse 13, you were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. This is God who has come and who has shone in your light. This is the marvelous thing. The very things we need have all been supplied by God to us, not of ourselves. We've been born of God, not by heritage, though we believe in the covenant. Our children are not axiomatic children of God. They must believe. It's not by your inward determination. My life is in a mess. I probably should seek something spiritual to sort it out and get get everything back in order. Yeah, you know what? Believing in Jesus has really changed my life. I'm a new man. You can have that without actually being a child of God. That's what's frightening. Because all you've done is sought a moral improvement and the morality of Jesus has been something that has helped you along the way. You haven't truly believed this is God, the light, who has come into the world. Not by any human effort. You were born again by God. You were born again by the Spirit breathing into you that spiritual life. You were born again by the Son coming and providing that life of the truth and grace of God. You were born again by the Father's purposeful, loving decree from before the foundation of the world. This one is mine. See, not all of mankind will be saved. Those whom the Father has loved from eternity They will be, because he has sent the light into the world to bring salvation to his people. My friends, the reason you have seen the light and the glory of Christ is because God has willed it. And this is where we are humble to say, thank you, thank you. See why our worship of God is filled with humility, joy, and gladness and how we can say in in affirming this truth of who Jesus is, how we can say there's nothing now to separate me from this love because Jesus is my light. Do you know this light? Do you know this truth? Don't walk in darkness. Come to Christ. Believe on Him. You will be saved.